Good to see you here in the house of the Lord. We're going into the Word of God, Malachi chapter 3, verse number 6. We're preaching today on the message, The Unchanging God. The Unchanging God. If you're here for the first time, we want to make you welcome, and we're glad you're here, and let's get into the Word. The Word of God says in Malachi chapter 3, verse number 6, and it's there before you, For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. We realize today, and we repeat again because it's important for us to plug into our minds, the unchanging God. We realize that Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 8, goes on to say this, that Jesus Christ, He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So within both of the Old and the New Testament, we understand and we realize and come to the under real grasp and understanding that we serve a God that's right on. He's always there and he is not changing. I mentioned this morning already that it wouldn't it be something that uh, we become so accustomed to depending on just everything around us and not getting so worked up about it. Sometimes life can be even boring. Well, the sun comes up, the sun goes down. Totem was riding on Route 10 going to pick up some folks for the comprehensive cancer care that I work at and riding down 10 going into Oxford. Man, that was, oh man, for at least a minute, minute and a half, a beautiful rainbow. And you may be here in the house today and say, oh, well, a rainbow. There are things that we take for granted within life, and I'm not asking God to do this, but wouldn't it be an amazing thing that the sun just took the day off? Yeah, it'd wake you up, wouldn't it? But we take these things for granted. I uh, realize this. Now, this is my philosophy, and I'll share it with you. In our world, there are two things you can count on, change and death. You can count on those two things to happen, change or death. And today, it's good to have a grasp on something, an awareness of that there is a God that I serve and love who's not changing. He remains steadfast, unmovable. Like a coin that has two sides, so it is within the very changeableness or unchangeableness of God. For the God who never changes, there's a side of him that is conviction. And the other side is that side of his unchangeableness of comfort. Today, I want to just share with you where I'm coming from. This week, I get the call. I said, God, I don't want to stand up here. I've been preaching for 35 years. I got 35 years of sermons to be able to just say something that you once said. This is what we're talking about even in the service this morning with worship. It isn't about me, God. I've come into your house. I want to be able to interact with you. I want it to be sincere. I want it to be genuine. I want it to be fresh. I want it to be alive. Because church, I am convinced and I was thrilled to hear Jacinda say that the theme of Purpose Camp is on the coming of Jesus Christ. Because I got news for you, I don't believe we're too long for this world. I'm listening for a trumpet any day to sound and to take me out of this place. And I serve a God that is unchanging. My dad, when I was being raised in the house, he said, Son, I'm only going to tell you once, I don't repeat myself, and if you don't get it the first time, you'll get it. 
Have you ever been in a Walmart store? That's the place or a, a department store when parents the next aisle over, they act like they can only count to three. I'm going to count to three. I hear them count to three. Then you hear them start counting again. See, that's not the kind of God I serve. Man, when he thundered off of the Mount of Sinai and gave the Ten Commandments, it wasn't, well, I'll get back to you. No, he said, this is it. See, that's the side of him is the side of unchanging conviction. If you need to really understand and know what I'm talking about here, all you need to do is to go into Deuteronomy chapter 5, look at verses 1 through 22, and it'll disclose to you the Ten Commandments. America, in all of its illustrious intellect, said we're going to take the Ten Commandments out of the courts. We're going to take the Ten Commandments out of the schoolhouse. And we'll put them somewhere in a closet. No one will ever see them again. But you know what? I want you to hear me today. The fact of the matter is you can put it wherever you want to put it, sister. But the fact is that word that he gave in the desert there where Mount Sinai, that word is going to come right back to haunt us when we stand before him on the judgment day. And we wonder... We question within our minds, why is the court system in the shape it's in? You took God out of it. Why is it that our children are in the shape they are in school today? You got 12-year-old little girls committing suicide because they're being bullied. When I was in Hopewell, Virginia, there was a whatever it was. If you was a red-haired child, they picked on you and bullied you to the cows come home. They gave you no rest because your hair was red. I told them in the first service when I went to school, the only thing I was ever afraid of is getting caught. I mean, that's it, you know. As long as I didn't get caught, I was happy. Now we got kids walking into the school not knowing if this will be the school picked out with a rifle and all of a sudden a blaze of bullets goes across the room and starts shooting their friends and maiming and killing teachers. You can call me a nut if you want to. I don't care. When they took the Ten Commandments out of our school system, they started a downhill slide. And it's not going to recover until America comes back to its senses and realizes where it's at. God is not changing. God is going to stay the way he is. That's that side of conviction I'm talking about. Some of you said, "Uh uh-oh, I should have put my steel-toed shoes on, my helmet. He's going to beat the tar out of me. No, I'm not. I'm just telling you, study it, see it, know it for yourself because that's what you're going to be tested on at the end of time. And the church said... Oh, yeah. Well, let's go a little further, but now it's uh, to the point of the side of comfort. I don't know about you. You can call me crazy if you want, but the side of comfort comes because he is unchanging. Unchanging from the standpoint, and I got three things I want to share with you from, it's almost like a personal testimony from my heart. When I serve a God and follow after him who is unchanging, I have sanity of mind. Jesus, he said, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. John chapter 14, verse 27. Whenever I have things occur within my life, 
and they will occur. When troubles come, and they will come. When situations where all I can do, and I've been there, done that, and I probably will do it again, where all I can pray is please. Please, God, please. When I have that going on in my life, the only thing that I know is out of all of the quagmire of life, I have sanity of mind because I have a God that is in my life that I serve and I love. I know this one thing. He's unchanging. I worked in a meat room and food line when I was out of the church pulpit in in, uh, Hopewell, Virginia, then went to Lynchburg. And I had one old boy that used to cut meat in there, and he said it quite like this. He says, one day a hero, the next day a zero. And pretty much that's life. If you're living off of that, it'll drive you up a wall. It'll drive you crazy. But when you have the knowledge and the awareness and the comfort that comes by serving an unchanging God, you can have sanity of mind. We should have the best minds of the world right in the church. We should have peace of mind right in the church. But sometimes the enemy will get our focus off of things and keep us just moving back and forth. And God's calling us back to a place, hey, listen, I'm unchanging. I can make it happen for you. I can change things. I can do things in your life that you need done. I can fix it. Just Don't let go of me. Sanity of mind. The second thing that I find that it also gives security in this world. Because he is unchanging, I have security. Not social security. I may not even have that by the time I get there. What is your security? In the first service they were talking there, the thing that I appreciate, that I am amazed with. What amazes you? What draws you? What is it that has your attention? That's the thing that you have as your security. We realize that there is a security that we need. I told the folks in the first service, there's a movie that I watched, San Andreas. And uh, what was his name? Wayne Johnson, I think, or something like that. And I watched that movie. And as I sat and watched that movie, it captivated my mind because it showed me what the end times is going to look like. What the movie shows is that fault that runs up through California. They had an earthquake that hit the Richter scale of nine and above. It was destruction in all directions. You may sit there and say, oh, you're just a dreamer. I'm not dreaming because Peter says that in the last days when this is done this world will be burnt over with a fervor and heat. God's going to just completely remove it. The things, what I've seen in that movie before the earthquakes hit and started tearing things apart is that we have built ourselves up to have things that, look what I've done. Look at this accomplishment. Look what I've achieved. And it was so telling, these 30 and 40 foot skyscrapers just crashed to the ground. The ground split open and it just got, it got horrendous. And the thing that stood out in my mind more than anything else was two ladies on the 30th floor having lunch. This one woman, her husband, he mans this helicopter for rescue. He said, I'm coming for you. Get on the highest point that you can get. Climb up there and I'm coming. Well, this other lady, she said to her, she said, come on, go with me. My husband's coming to get me. She said, oh, no. 
She didn't even say nothing. She just took off, ran to the door, opened the door, and stepped out into nothing and dropped to her death at 30 stories because the building beside had already been leveled. What's your security today? What do you hold fast to? Because the word says that this world is going to be shaken. This world is going to know what it is, the things that we feel so secure. I stand here today, and I'm not just blowing smoke in your ear. I'm preaching to you from my heart of what I believe. I drive the roads down 202, 100, down through Exton. Brother, if you don't know what security is, you'll find it when you get on those roads. (laughs) Crazy. Leaves you talking to Jesus when some of them go by. And I do. Some of those people there, I don't know if they know Jesus or not, but I say, thank you, Jesus, because I know he's my security. I'm standing here today because he's kept me. He's secured me. In this world of uncertainty that I live in, the problems that are there, the only unchangeable thing that I can grab to, it's not my wife, it's not my family, it's not church family. People promise you everything and give you nothing. And the fact of the matter is, there is one unchanging person in my life that I live for and count for, and that is Almighty God who says, I will never change. I'm not insecure. I'm secure because of him. Every one of us and everything of us that's in this house today and everything you own has an expiration date on it. What's expiration? That means it's going to expire. That's what they call death. Pull out the milk jug. It's out of date. As long as it still pours and doesn't curdle, it's good. (laughs) Everything that you have has an expiration date on it. The only thing that I know that I have that doesn't expire is my relationship with Jesus Christ. I have found His grace is all complete. He supplied my every need. While I sat and learned at Jesus' feet, I became free. Free indeed. I know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm talking about today. There is a security that is in Jesus Christ that you're not going to find anywhere else. You're going to find safety. Because of his unchangingness, you'll find safety in the storms. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 19 through 20, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. Verse 20 says this. It does. Where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus having become the high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Go back to verse number 19, if you will. That's where we're going to focus. The safety within the storm first is this. He says, this hope, what is your hope today? What becomes your hope becomes your anchor. I told the folks there was a guy that came to the church in Lynchburg, Virginia. He and his wife knew two radiologists that worked at Virginia Baptist Hospital. They went to their home for dinner. They did it frequently. He got to know them and The guy, radiologist, said to this man, he says, you know, I I get very, maybe you can resemble this. If you do, raise your hand. I like to just shake your hand. But he, uh, he says, I get very uncomfortable 
Actually, I get nervous when my bank account drops below, my checking account drops below $100,000. I like to show you mine. I'd really let you see nerves. I mean to tell you, you know what I'm talking about. That was his hope. That then became his anchor. What's yours? What you hoping for? You hoping to make it big in basketball? Hoping to make it big in the finance world? Hoping to make it big in the medical profession? What you hoping for? One broken leg, one twist of life, and all of a sudden that changes. But I tell you this, when you have a hope in Jesus, he'll still take whatever you got and fix it, put it back together, and you'll be better than you were before. Hallelujah. I'm going to shout myself. The hope we have as an anchor, it anchors the soul. What does he say there? He says it's sure and it's steadfast. Do you ever be around somebody that they're like a cat on a hot tin roof? They can't stay focused too long on one thing or the other? Boy, they're just, and you know, it drives me crazy. I'm sorry, you know, just hit, boom, boom. But to find something that is sure, to find something that is steadfast, that's where we place our anchor. I know that there's times in our lives that it's hard. I know there's times in our lives that it's not easy. But what is the hope that we have? That's what keeps us pressing on. I like history. I like the history of the Assemblies of God, the Pentecostal movement. A lot of them were dirt poor, dirt farmers, but they had a hope. They'd come to church, they'd talk about Jesus coming. Couldn't wait till Jesus come had us kids that were raised in that time scared out of our skin when we walked in the house and there wasn't a peep, a noise. Anybody here? And we wanted to hear somebody say yes. Because if nobody said yes, the rapture's taking place and I've been left behind. And mom would say, I'm here. Live to see another day. That was their hope. When I was a kid coming up, they had a newspaper that said Jesus had come. A man busted through the door of the church with the newspaper. Jesus had come. People ran to the altar screaming and crying. They'd been left behind. That's how real it was. Our children need to see that hope back in us. Your hope isn't what you have in your bank account, sir. It isn't how much land you can possess. It isn't the kind of automobile that you drive. It isn't all of the whistles and bells of your life. Our kids need to know, our grandchildren need to see that our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. The songwriter said, I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but I wholly lean on Jesus' name. That's my hope. That's what I hold to. When all else is sinking sand, I know I have a hope in him. He will rescue me. He will take me through. I can't lose. That's the hope. I challenge you. I really do. I challenge you as a friend and as a pastor. Share the hope with one another. Don't keep it a secret that you're hoping to go to heaven. Let people know about it. I can't wait till it gets real hot and I can start telling people on the job what I really think. When it hits that 95 and 100, look at them and say, boy, it's so hot out there. It makes me want to go to heaven. 
Boy, that puts skid marks on the floor. They don't know what to think of it. You know, it just kind of goes in their brain and it just kind of like dragging the cans down the road in the back of your car. It's just going, and they finally look and they don't have an answer for you. They don't know what, do I really want to say anything? That What he's really saying is, hell, oh my God. Makes me want to go to heaven. Sweat busting down my face. I know there's a place a whole lot hotter, but I know there's a whole lot cooler place to go. And I want to go there. I walked into an establishment up in Reading, one of these ritzy-dancy places that sells this fancy bread and biscuits and whatever, and this guy's back there baking stuff, and, man, it was one of those hot days. Stood there, and, of course, you know I have a very quiet voice anyway. <laughs> I'm standing there, and I said, man, it's so hot out there, it makes me want to go to heaven. And that guy over there to the counter, uh, yeah, uh, What? Didn't know how to handle it. I do. I'm going home. That's my hope. Dad never got his wish, but he always hoped. He said, I'd love to stand in the pulpit. And my last thing that I did was to be preaching a sermon and drop dead on the floor. Be talking about him. He just takes me home. That's scary. Is it really? I'm talking about my friend here. He's my buddy I've been looking for. I can't wait till I get the... I've been talking about him, but I haven't had laid eyes on him yet. Bless God, there's a day coming when I'm going to lay eyes on the one who bled and died for me. Whoo! Glory! I don't play the lottery, but man, I've seen people that they hit the lottery, they're more happy than most Christians are. The word says this, this hope, we have as an anchor of the soul. Anchors, you drop anchor wherever you want to stay. Let me repeat that again. You drop an anchor where you intend to stay. I hope that you've dropped your anchor in Jesus. I hope that that's the place that you're anchored to. The only thing that I want to just hasten to say is this just as easy as you can drop anchor you can also lift anchor and when you lift the anchor you begin to drift and it, sometimes you don't even know but you, you're moving away and you don't even know that you've left when God was working this message through my heart this week there was a song that came to my mind that I remember for some years back and it says the anchor holds I just want to read the chorus the anchor holds though the ship is battered the anchor holds though the sails are torn I've fallen on my knees as I face these raging seas the anchor holds in spite of the storm gentleman that wrote this had been a Christian most of all of his life. At the turn of the year 2000 or so, he had a change of lifestyle. He pulled up anchor. The anchor is no longer holding. You know what? I can pray for him, but you know this? I can't fix his anchor. I can't fix your anchor, son. I can't.
where you drop your anchors where it's going to stay till you make up your mind to pull it up. Your anchor, sir, it's got to stay where it's at. Where's your anchor dropped today? There is nothing that will break a man's heart, my heart as a believer, to see a fellow Christian lift anchor and drift on away. Some of the most powerful, another song that this man wrote was, Thank you for giving to the Lord. Breaks my heart. But he made the choice, and every one of us in this house has that same choice. No matter where you're at, where you're going, what you're doing, your anchor, it's going to hold wherever you put it, and it's up to you where you drop anchor. I want you to stand in this house today. As we bow our heads reverently before God, I wanted to stand because I'm giving you an opportunity, sir, ma'am, young person that's in this house today. If you need to drop anchor in that rock Christ Jesus, I got the congregation to stand so you don't have to step on their feet and crawl over their legs to get out to get to this center aisle and meet me here. But you that are in this house today that know Jesus, I want you to pray right now. If you're here today and you have not dropped anchor in Jesus Christ, the Savior and Lord of my life, I challenge you today like as never before to think it over and think it over good. Because that anchor will hold in the midst of the storm if you leave it there. It's safe. It's secure. And I wonder as we're in this house today, if you're here today and you know that your anchor is not in Jesus, I want you to step out of that pew and make your way right here. We're going to just pray the sinner's prayer. I want you to know that you've dropped anchor today. When you walk out of this building, you've already dropped your anchor. And you've dropped your anchor in Jesus. If you're here today and you need to make that commitment to Jesus Christ to rededicate your life, I want you to make that move right now. And if you're here today and you need to make that choice to drop your anchor in the rock Christ Jesus, I want you to move right here now and meet me here. You're among friends. There's nobody here going to judge you. We're all sinners saved by grace. I want you to take your neighbor's hand then. Before we even start to close out in prayer, I want you to pray. I want you to pray. You say, I don't know their name. Well, God, the person, I don't know their name. I want you to pray for that person that their anchor will hold in Jesus. Before we leave out of this place, pray one for the other, the word says, and we're doing that right now. Pray for that one that their anchor will hold. You don't know what they came through this week. You don't know even the storm that they came through even to get to this house the storm that they're in at their job, in their marriage, in the situation that they're in. Heavenly Father, as I come close of this message, I thank you for giving me the privilege to share your word. Now, God, I pray that none be lost. I pray that people will keep their anchor holding in that rock Christ Jesus. God, I pray that nothing will be that enticing, nothing will be that alluring that would make them pull up anchor and go the other way. Let them see, God, that all it's going to do for that man that's in this house and his eyes are looking in a direction, not at his wife, and he thinks that's where happiness is, let him realize, God, that it's just the same, just a different face. God, for that woman that is there and she's struggling, hoping and God and, and, and just wants to throw it in the towel. I just pray right now that their anchor holds in you. 
I pray, God, for that family that is here and they're struggling within their finances and their home is in disarray. God, don't let them pull up anchor. But God, let the anchor hold to the rock Christ Jesus, for I know that he is more than able to do exceedingly abundant more than we could ever ask or think. God, we look to the hills from whence comes our help. Our help comes from the Lord who has made heaven and earth. God, I pray right now in the mighty and holy name of Jesus, let the anchor hold. God, and I thank you that the reason we can have such assurance and confidence is because of you being the unchanging God you are. That you're not going to wake up in a bad mood tomorrow and change your mind. God, you're going to stay the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, God, go with us. Let the anointing and the power of Almighty God saturate our souls. In the mighty and holy name of Jesus, and everyone said, Amen. Amen.